Joe, you had a dream last night, didn't you? Weird one. I think you did. Yeah, it was pretty strange. What happened? So I dreamt that my neighbor's cat came over and like coughed up a hairball all over our kitchen floor. It was like the size of another cat. So I, I picked that up and threw it away and then I ended up having sex with uh, Anne Hathaway. The Adam Crowley Show on ESPN Pittsburgh. The Ordinary Boy tweets at underscore Adam Crowley. I think Bell will sit out, only hurting himself. A year off and time needed for a new line to adjust to his style. His career will be over. At least two to three years needed. By then, he will be too old. He's not going to sit out. And anybody who's arguing sitting out would be better for a player than him getting hurt actually playing is out to lunch. I mean, that's ridiculous. This topic, it's not easy to rile me up on. That riles me up a little bit. How idiotic that take would be. Well, if he sits out a year, at least he won't get hurt. Then he's healthy when he's a free agent. Yeah, but he also doesn't make the $14 million on the franchise tag. He's costing himself fifteen k, And then every team and their mother... Go and be like, this dude wouldn't play for the Steelers. He's not a team player. We don't love that guy anymore. Because if there's one thing that old, crusty NFL execs love more than saying, my players can't kneel, it's, this guy's not a team player, and we don't stand for that. If Le'Veon were to sit out a year, he would be deemed the guy who's not a team player if he was going to get or try to get paid on the other side of it. So that doesn't work. It's not going to happen. He's not going to retire. He's not going to sit out a year. And in fact, can we just fast forward to training camp? Like, If you want me to have a legitimate emotional take on this subject and get really worked up the way you love your sports radio peeps to get worked up, he's going to have to miss. You know what? Even missing a practice isn't going to do it. He missed practice this year. Fast forward to the regular season. If he misses a game... Then I'll flip out. How's that for you? I could pretend that that's now. Do you want me to do that now? I can give that take now. The Le'Veon's a terrible human being for sitting out game number one. I can give that take. I don't know how Madden's getting fired up today. I don't know how the people across the street are getting fired up today about this. Steelers doing everything the right way. Le'Veon's doing everything that serves his best interest, which is the only interest that should matter. No villain. And maybe that's too nuanced. Maybe that's what you don't want. The nuance. Man, we spend so much time as an industry trying to fill content and trying to fill hours and trying to find stuff to bitch and moan about. And I'm not going to fake it. Not in this circumstance. That kind of sounded like I'll fake it at other times, didn't it? Four one two nine two 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 eight seven four. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. Brian's looking down. Tom's looking at the TV. I don't think either of them are paying attention to me. I was listening. No, you weren't. I was uh, also uh, texting Ben's. What's Ben's one? Oh, nothing. I was just, you know, say hey, love you, buddy. How you doing? That oh, that was it. Yeah, yeah, just keeping in touch. That sort of thing. You're his big spoon to the little spoon of Tim Ben's. Yes. Yeah. That's exactly it. Tim Benz at 540 today on the Crowley Show. 
I like sex. Everyone likes sex. In fact, is there anybody who doesn't like sex? Call in 412-922-2874. I want to talk to you. If you don't like sex, let's chat. Wait, that's not the topic. Well, it can be. Okay. Okay. If the one or two people out there who don't like sex call up, I'd like to talk to them and know why they don't like sex. That's why you're a radio star. Yes. But we all like sex. I think. It's fun. It feels good. There's an emotional connection. Really, what's not to love? Everyone also loves Selection Sunday. Everybody. Everybody loves it. They do it the right way every year. Now, last year, the bracket got leaked. That was an issue. Sometimes there could be leakage during sex. But you still like it. Because it's sex. They did not have their best showing, did CBS last year, as it comes to the bracket show, but I still love it. They go region by region, unveil team by team. They'll cut to video of the teams celebrating. Even teams like Duke always seem to have a party. Hey, spoiler alert, you're in the damn field. But your heart starts thumping. For me, I'm a Dub V fan, so last year you're waiting for that 4-5 matchup. This year, same thing, and be waiting likely for that 4-5 matchup. Is my team going to be in Boise? Is my team going to be in Pittsburgh? Is my team going to be in East Cabumbleep? And there's suspense, and there's drama, and this year CBS is changing it. This gets me far more fired up than the Le'Veon Bell nonsense. To where all 68 teams are going to be announced. First thing, we're going to know every team that's made the tournament right off the shoot, and then they're going to start placing where they are. Are they going to give us the seed list right off the off the shoot? Because that's nonsense, too. I liked it the old way. I liked the surprise. Perhaps women, some women, depending on their partners, don't like sex. Because I feel like there could be surprises there. Sometimes you could have a Rick Patino situation. Anyway, call up me. Call me up. 412-922-2874 if you don't like sex. But John Rothstein's been tweeting for months a countdown to Selection Sunday, and it's going to lose a little bit of bite to me this year. Sometimes when you're in the midst of a bad run in basketball, Coach will call a timeout. The other team slams one home or hits a corner three. All momentum's changed. Crowd's going bonkers. You can't do anything right, and the coach calls a timeout. I'm going to call a timeout right now. Tom, pep talk me. Yeah, about what? About this show. I'm rattled. Yeah, you're a little rattled, you know. You just need to really... Take a good, long look inside yourself. Mm. Dig deep, man. Mm. You've been here before. You've done this before. You do this every day. This is nothing to you. You're bad. You're a bad man. And you kill it at the radio. So you know what? Just shake off that old performance. Get back out there and do what I know you can do. Yeah! Brian, I'm rattled right now. 
Tom just talked you off the cliff, man. What do you man. mean? How I'm rattled. You, I think you, the show's got to start over. How can you not come back from that? Tom just gave you the greatest inspirational speech I think I may have ever heard. That's like win one for the Gipper type crap right there. But during this segment, I don't think you guys know how bad it got because I don't think either of you were paying attention. Oh, I know how bad it got, but I know how great it can get. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I said call up me up. I started talking about why women don't like sex as much as men. Do you have any idea how dangerous that could have gotten? Yes. But Tom brought you back. Just concentrate. Look Tom in the eye there. Tom, tell him. You're the best in this whole damn city at sports radio, and you know it. Now act like it. Tom, can you tell me I'm a major medium market star? Please? You're a major medium market star. Say it again. Say it slower. You're a major medium Market star. Just one more. Can you just whisper it? You're a major medium market star. It's time to get pucked up with some of the best damn hockey talk on the planet. You go to the box, you know, uh, you feel shame, you know. And then you get free. This is the five minute major with Adam Crowley. I'm standing up now. Because I had to change the mojo up somehow. I got off onto a weird tangent talking about sex. I switched Jari into Smith when I talked to Jason Mackey. I dumped out of the Fowler thing after four minutes because I didn't think it was going well. I am clearly rattled today. So I changed the mojo. Tom's fired me up, and I'm just going to get louder. I'm going to get louder, and with the loud comes the energy, I think. Damn, I messed the microphone up. Latang's a plus nine over his last ten games, during which he's produced three goals and nine points. He averaged just over 26 minutes a game his last five games. Chris Latang is back, bitches. Chris Latang is back to playing Chris Latang hockey in overtime last night. Chris Latang joined the rush, led the rush into the offensive zone. Then when the puck got turned over. Went full speed the other way, 200 feet, and broke up a play. At that moment, I tweeted out, Chris Letang is back! And he became the subject of my blog at ESPNPGH.com today because a lot of people are fired about Ian Cole. How are the Penguins going to win the Stanley Cup with their bottom pair defense as bad as it is? Spoiler alert, they had a bad bottom pair last year. And they didn't have Chris Letang. They've got Letang now. He's starting to play good hockey. He's playing a bunch of minutes every night. He hasn't been a minus at all in the last 10 games. Even that damn Boston game. How is that possible? What that tells me is he's back. And he's playing with confidence. And he's healthy. And if they've got that guy at the top of his game playing 30 minutes a night in the playoffs, you might think you're going to miss Ian Cole. But spoiler alert, you're not. I would much rather have this year's set of circumstances than last year's set of circumstances. I would rather have Chris Letang at the top of his game than Ian Cole at the top of his game. And if you don't think I'm right about that, you're a dumbass. Tristan Jari played well. Or to Smith. Who the hell played goalie last night? Oh no, it's going to happen again. The Penguins gave up 38 shots for the third time in the last four games. Mike Sullivan said, quote, 
We found a way to win, but I'm not going to sit here and say we played a real good game. End quote. That's good. Because that's not going to be good enough to win against the Flyers tomorrow. Not even close. The Flames had 58% possession number in 5-on-5 play. That's not good enough from the Penguins. I'm not a math major. It took me five years to graduate from West Virginia, but the Penguins had the puck 42% of the time in 5-on-5 situations. That's not good. The only line that was able to stay above water, the only line, was the Broussard and Kessel and Simone line. Now, I have a theory for Dominic Simone. It is perfect for the five-minute major. And it's that he plays a simple game. He's dry. He's nondescript. He didn't do anything to write home about, but he doesn't make a lot of mistakes out there either. And Broussard played in a system in Ottawa that fits that exact description. Nondescript, milk toast, white rice, all of it. And I think he helped settle him down a little bit. Now, of course, Broussard and Kessel are going to carry that line, but he's not the dead weight that Connor Sherry was. And by the way, Connor Sherry was awful at the beginning portion of the game last night. I looked at the statistics at one point, and that line with Connor Sherry on the ice had 13 shot attempts against in 0-4. You cannot be worse than that. Why are the Penguins hot right now? If I had to boil it down to one reason, it's Geno Malkin. He's got 44 points in his last 25 games. The Penguins are 18-6-1 in such contests. He's the best player in hockey right now, and I'm convinced that you can absolutely, without a doubt, not play better hockey than he is at this moment. Not just him, but anybody. He's the best player in the league right now. And... You hope he can keep it up into the playoffs. Because Malkin on that kind of tear with Broussard and Crosby? Well, who going to stop that? Let's go to Devin, who's back after a long hiatus, calling from the bowels of the unknown. Hello, Devin. Where the hell have you been? Devin, do you have your radio turned up? I had it turned up for a second, brother. As soon as you said my name, I didn't think I was going to get on that quick. My God, Devin. First of all, where have you been? Second of all, you got to know better than to have your radio turned all the way up. And third of all, you got to know not to tell them how quickly you got onto the air. Because it makes the show look small. So what do you got for me, brother? Now that it looks small, I thought I was special. Well. Anywho, about what I was calling about, I know you were talking about hockey and stuff. Um... I'm 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 only in the hockey when uh, playoffs come around. I'm sorry, brother. It's okay, man. Can you forgive me? No, you've been gone for like a month, Devin. My forgive your forgiveness means everything to me, man. Come on, man. Devin, have you, you been? Gotta me a bone. Have you been listening every day? Of course, I've been listening. All right, that's the only thing that matters. Uh, I'm not even. I'm not. <laughs> okay, yeah. the bottom line. I feel you. <laughs> what's no. your What's your le- <laughs> What's your left belt take? Don't leave me sitting here in the suspense any longer. It's been a month. My loins are screaming for you, Devin. <laughs> now, what I wanted to know was, okay, so we're talking about the value of a running back, right? So I was watching the game. I forget who was doing it. I think it was uh, uh, Nance and uh, Romo, and they were talking about what the other team's scouting report said about Le'Veon Bell, and it was talking about his strengths, and it was like, you know what his weaknesses were? None. So the whole thing about it to me is, okay, 
say we could get another running back. This dude's a great runner, and he can block, but he can't catch. Or he, he could catch the ball, and his running is okay, but he's a decent blocker or whatever. Value comes, and this is just me asking your opinion, when, when, when a player can do everything, how much does that mean to your team? Because when you have one weak link, that can make everything fall. I remember when the Steelers uh, played New England in the AFC Championship game, and all I was saying to myself was, our special team sucks. And then they Devin, I haven't talked to you in a month, and you're bringing up special teams? Devin, Devin, this here's what's going to happen. Here's what's going to happen. I'm oh, going to hang man. up on you, and then oh, and you're going to turn the radio up again. You're going to keep listening to the show, and then the next time you call back, I'll show you more respect. How about that? <laughs> you quit on me, Devin. You son of a bitch. You haven't talked to me in a month. You're going to call me up and talk about special teams? Here's the deal. Ben Roethlisberger is a really good player, but Ben Roethlisberger is not the same when Le'Veon Bell's not playing at the top of his game. It's just a fact. So how much value do the Steelers place in that? They place a lot of value in it. So much so that they're willing to want to pay Le'Veon Bell a lot more than any running back in the National Football League is currently being paid right now. He means a lot to them. They're not shying away from that. They're offering him money that indicates how much they do love this guy. But Le'Veon wants more. And he'll get more on the open market. It's not going to help this year with getting an extension with the Steelers because the Steelers are undefeated in these types of circumstances, but he'll get that guaranteed money this year, and the next year he'll get exactly what he thinks he's worth. 412-922-2874. The show has been saved by Tom. Don't listen to the first hour and 20 minutes on the podcast, but listen to everything after that. Coming up next, I love this NBA player for something he said That's near and dear to my heart. Is that even a good tease? Why am I second-guessing everything? It's the Crowley Show. I put my whole team up on my back. I told all my boys in here, bro, they can relax. So I just tweeted out hashtag H2P. Just to throw a little salt in the wound of Pitt fans who haven't won a conference basketball game in 381 days. So Richie Walsh quote tweets it and goes hashtag we are hey Richie I'm a West Virginia guy I'm rooting for the only team that's going to the tournament you dweeb it's not even funny get after me Richie Walsh stay in your lane See, he has the best of both worlds, because I believe, Tom, and correct me if I'm wrong here. He went to both schools. He went to Notre Dame and is a fan of Pitt. Is that how it is? I don't know. Do uh, I think he's a fan of Notre Dame, a uh, Penn State undergrad, and a track star for Pitt. I don't know. I could have those mixed up. It doesn't say star. It well, says, he, he says he's a star. It says, grew up Notre Dame fan, almost went to Penn State, graduated from Pitt. There's no way he was a star uh, because he was white. Way to go, Dion. Oh. Four one two nine two 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 eight seven four. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. As I mentioned, Pitt hasn't won a conference basketball game in three hundred eighty-one days because you know it does not affect the conference rankings, standings. A tournament win. They didn't win a tournament game. They won one tournament game last year, but it didn't count to the conference standings. They didn't win one this year. They didn't win another conference game this year. It boggles my mind. 
how, and I've heard this said on multiple stations in this town, that people would think that West Virginia is at a disadvantage for being in the Big 12 when you look at what's become of Pitt since they've joined the ACC in both football and in basketball. They are a travesty in both. In both. Travesty. 0-18 in conference play. Pitt football team was 5-7. and seven. The most important thing or the most pit thing ever could have just happened. If they had beat Notre Dame, you would have had all the pit fans come out of the woodwork and say, watch, just you watch. We're going to build off this for next year. Notre Dame got Bonzi Colson back. They're a legitimate top 25 team when he's in the lineup. So we can beat anyone next year. We just need time to grow. Kevin Stallings, bring him back. We can turn this around. It's what pit football fans do every single year. Well, we beat West Virginia 13-9. and We're really going to build off of it. They didn't. No, they beat Miami. They're going to build off of it. No, we beat Clemson at number two in the country in Death Valley. They won the national championship. We're going to be great. Nope, five and seven. West Virginia's in the Big 12. They don't belong there geographically. They're going to get their asses beat. Well, they won 10 games in football two years ago, and they've gone to the Sweet 16 two of the last three years and finished second in the conference last year in basketball, and we'll see what happens in the Big 12 tournament now, but they're third in the conference. Did Pitt finish in the top half of the conference? No, I don't think so. No. In fact, Pitt finished dead last. Now, it does tell you the sheer volume of the ACC when the first game of the conference tournament is 10 versus 15. Holy crap, how many teams do you need? But Pitt doesn't belong in the ACC. Pitt belongs like the American. How about that? 412-922-2874. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. I think we bothered Richie when we had people Crowley roll him, even though we didn't mean to have him Crowley rolled. No, but I, I, you know what? The funny thing is I've heard it at least three times. Have you? Yeah, I watch every night for it. I'm kind of, but I, I don't watch unless he's on. So like if, if he's hosting the show that night and, they're actually their screener guys getting better at catching them, but you can hear the beginnings of like you got, and then like you know what's happening. Still, I think still throws them off a little. I think you just got to go straight into the Crowley roll, people out there. Yeah, see, yeah, I think that might be it. I mean, not saying that you should do that to a man trying to do a a show on TV because he's working hard there, trying to bring content to you. But I mean, why is everyone going to take themselves so seriously? Whatever. I take calls from all kinds of idiots every single day. Yeah. Mr. Richard next up on the Crowley Show. Hello, Mr. Richard. Let me ask you this. It sounds like you're kind of insightful as far as West Virginia and their uh, chance to stay in the NCAA tournament. I had a national host, I can't remember which one, said that he believes that West Virginia is going to go a long way in the tournament. Then I had somebody else. I just can't remember who told me. Mr. Richard, I love you. I do. But I'm not going to let you drive the topics on the show and... The people who are listening don't care about West Virginia basketball that way. We'll have Bob Huggins on the show tomorrow. He's very interesting. I don't care who you are. He knows a lot about basketball. It's worth it to have that guy on. Not worth it for me to sit here and spout what I think about West Virginia basketball to the masses. Now, as it relates to Pitt, that I'm very comfortable doing. 
Pitt basketball is nonsense. Pitt basketball is in a conference right now. They just can't compete in. It's not West Virginia. It's not the Big 12. It's the ACC as it relates to Pitt in both football and basketball. Kevin Stallings has to go, but I don't know if you want to fire him because it was a two-year huck, and then you're thinking, if you're a coach out there, why in the world would I want to go to a place where there's 10 better teams probably in the conference? And they're going to fire me if I don't meet whatever expectations they have? Why would I want to do that? If you hold on to Stallings, you can at least see if he can build off of it. You can at least give the guy a third year. I'm typically on board with giving someone four years, one full recruiting class, to come through and change a program. But I do think you have to take into account some of the particulars. And when you're 0-18 in conference play, when you're 8-26 and overall, whatever the hell it was, 8-23, and the conversation needs to be had. He's going to get fired. But I don't think that it's the best look for Pitt to do that. And I don't know what you can do from here. Because you're starting over now from what was an 0-18 basketball team. So maybe these players then transfer. It's just a disaster. It's an absolute unmitigated disaster. And if I ever have to hear a Pitt fan go 13-9 to me again, all I'll have to say is relevancy. West Virginia basketball has been ranked for the last 55 weeks in the Associated Press poll. Last time that happened in West Virginia, Jerry West was there. Pitt basketball hasn't won a conference game in 381 days! What's uh, West Virginia's record in 13-9 games, though? Oh, and what? Let's go to Devin. This guy, what did you, how'd this guy get through again? What, what do you want, Devin? Talk about Pitt. Let's hear it. The whole thing about it is, I agree with you 100%. Yeah! Just like, just for the simple fact that one of our main arguments is that we always have, like, star players in the league. So, if we recruit this caliber of player, our team should be very, very good. Well, and that's the case in football, without a doubt, Devin. In football, they recruit very well. They get better players than West Virginia. I mean, they get superstars. They get people who go into the NFL and dominate. So it's like if you could get players that could dominate in the NFL, like they're stars when they hit the NFL, seems like your team should be a little bit more. I'm sorry, I can't. I got I to gotta stay on top of football. <laughs> did, what, did, stop. Why is everyone trying to change the show? Love you, Devin. Call back, 412-922-2874. Not now, but another time. Boy, did I get off on a tangent there. Richie Walsh, thank you for making the show better today. Because I was spiraling around the toilet bowl as the flush was happening. And now I've emerged myself from that disgusting water. And that's pretty much where that analogy dies. I'm a little bit tired of the shut up and dribble narrative. Kevin Love in the Players Tribune described something that I deal with every couple of months, and that's a severe panic attack. He had one while in a game, ran off the court, 
didn't know what was happening to him, couldn't stop hyperventilating, was laying on the training room floor when the trainers came in and were like, ah, let's take this guy to the Cleveland Clinic. They hooked him up, did a bunch of tests, and they found that there was nothing wrong with him. So he's thinking, what the bleep just happened? It was a panic attack. It's one of the worst things that can happen to you. It really is. And I realize that, yes, there are cancers and there is genocide. And there's all kinds of awful things out there in the world. But it is all relative. And when you're trapped inside your own head, there's nowhere to escape. So for me, I deal with it all the time. And then once you've had a vicious panic attack like Kevin Love described and like I've had and described on this show, you start to worry then about the next time you're going to have a panic attack. And every time I walk into a room where there are people that I don't know, I think, uh-oh, what if I have a panic attack? Then I'm the weird guy who's having a panic attack. And these people don't know what to do with me when I have a panic attack. And then you start having a panic attack. And it's all in your head and you can't escape. And guys like Johnny Manziel have talked about this. And Johnny Manziel doesn't get the sympathy because he's used pills and other things to try to cope. But when Kevin Love comes out and he writes about this, or Shadow writes it, whatever. People are going to read it, they're going to listen, and they're not going to feel like they're alone. I've talked about it, but people don't care. I ain't no inspiration. Kevin Love, though, does let you know that you're not alone. Adam Rippon coming out as gay gives you courage that you can come out and be who you are. Al Roker talking about pooping in the White House made people feel comfortable about IBS. He's not an athlete. Point is, if you poop yourself, someone else does too. If you've got anxiety, somebody else does too. If you've got depression, somebody else does too. So when you tell an athlete to shut up and dribble, you stop athletes like Kevin Love from making a difference. So don't just shut up and dribble. Create conversation. Like the Shape of Water did. Created a conversation about making love to scaly, slimy, yoked-up fishmen. Coming up next, Tim Benz weighs on all the topics of the day, whatever the hell they are. The official vampire of the Crowley Show. Breakfast with Benz, next. I'm a man. If there's any chance, I'm throwing bands because I can. If there's any chance to throw some bands, then I am. I missed this tweet from Braden a while back. He said, I feel like you're a little rattled. Just breathe, man. Think of a freshly poured Guinness and just relax, man. Listen to Tom. I said prior to Tom going on a great rant that I was like a basketball team who had missed its last couple of shots, and I just didn't have my confidence. The show did not go well for the first hour, at least in my opinion. Now, it's better than everyone else's show, but I didn't have it. Since Tom gave me maybe the greatest speech of Tom's career, although I imagine he talks to his little Tom like that on Saturday nights after a couple of tequilas, We've got in a nice little run. And I only expect it to continue because Tim Benz is the best six man in the league. He's also the official vampire of the Crowley Show. Of course he doesn't get tired because he's the undead. Tim, Tom said that you told him all the things that you wrote about and were about to write about. And I don't know if you've got time to even say what you've written about because I just assume you've covered all the bases. Breakfast with Benz has been fabulous. Well, I'm glad you're reading. I'm glad you're looking at it. I appreciate the retweets. We've joked about the whole vampire thing before, but it's actually happening now. I, I, I don't sleep. I, I don't know when I'm supposed to sleep. Like, 
even when I was doing day on site, I was going to bed at like 12.30 and getting up at 4.30 or 5. Oh. Like I had that four-hour window. I knew when I was sleeping. Now I don't. Now it's like day-to-day. I'm just catching two to three hours here, two to three hours there when I can. It's a little frightening. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm, I might have a panic attack. Stop trying to transition to other topics. Tim, are you going to punt on the whole diet thing? No, I'm doing pretty well. How is that possible when you're awake that long to not put too many calories in your body? I don't have time to eat, and I sure <laughs> as hell don't have time to drink. Like, if I drink, I'm going to pass out. So I have been, I don't want to say alcohol-free, but I have, you know, I, I don't even have, like, the nightly, okay, now I'm relaxing and having a beer. I just, I haven't had time. I'm having coffee at night. I'm having tea. I'm drinking tea, for God's sakes. Is that something you used to do, Tim? Did you used to have the nightly beer? Oh, yes, for sure. Yeah, you know, I mean, even going back to my ex-morning show days, I used to have a ritual where when I was starting to kind of like crack the book to study, you know, crack open the laptop to get the show ready for the next day, I'd have a glass of scotch or a beer and do so in the process just to sort of clear my head and put yesterday's day behind myself and then have a beer or two while I was putting the rundown together and banging out some thoughts and then it was easier to go to bed at that point because you know now you're a little sleepy just from the alcohol and you can sleep solidly for four hours and then get up and do the show so Tim one of my favorite things about you is how you break everything down like you just broke that down the way you would break down a play in football and we were at Sharky's in Latrobe one time and you were telling me how to get drunk the most economically. You were telling me how to get drunk for the best bang for your buck. You just break things down very well, and that brings me to your Le'Veon Bell column from earlier. I can't get fired up about Le'Veon. I can't. I think the Steelers are doing everything that they should be doing. I understand why Le'Veon feels like he's worth what he feels like he's worth, so I can't get mad at anybody, and I feel like I'm in the minority there. Oh, I can. I can get mad at people. I can be analytical about my own anger too, Adam. Uh, I can. I think Le'Veon has to know when enough is enough, and I think he's getting enough. He is now misevaluating what the reason for the franchise tag is, or what it means. Better said, the franchise tag is not at fourteen point five million dollars to place a value on Le'Veon Bell or place an artificial value on the best running back in the league. It's a tool to force the two sides to come to an agreement, and it is inflated by its own nature. So I I think he is out of his mind to say, well, because they want to give it to me for one year, then they have to want to give it to me for five consecutive. Well, no, they don't. That's not why the rule is written the way that it is. Uh, If he has said in the past, like before 2016 ended, when he was rapping about wanting $15 million a year, and here we are two years later now, and he's come down all of $450,000 tops. That's not negotiating. That's a stick-up. So I think you could be mad at Bell for the way he's handled the negotiation. I think you could be mad at Steelers fans for being mad at Bell and trying to minimize his impact as a player. I get agitated with that. I think that people are working really hard to try to minimize Bell as the best running back in football just because they're mad at him because he's asking for a lot of money. They are doing that, and they did that when Le'Veon Bell was hurt. When he was hurt, it was all, well, D'Angelo's good enough, right? So, well, we got D'Angelo, we'll be fine. Well, then why do you pay the guy? 
And yeah, nobody was talking about how they didn't need Le'Veon Bell when Reggie Nelson blew up his knee before the Raven game, right? Or after the Raven game. Like, you didn't hear all the parsing and qualifications of his yards per carry and not being a breakaway back when that happened. But because he asked for money, then you decide you want to put some sort of parenthetical thought onto his statistical accomplishments. And that's been driving me bonkers, too. So I can get mad at that as well. Yeah, I'll get mad at that, too, because the same people who are saying, well, he's not worth that much, are mad that he's not signing with the Steelers. And I'll tell you what else. The same people who are saying, look, his yards per carrier down, are in a lot of cases the same people that are saying, oh, well, Willie Parker, he busted out a bunch of big runs, but he used to get stuck behind the line of scrimmage about two. Like, you know, you, you, you kind of choose the, you choose the statistic based on how it best fits your argument. That's frustrating to me. Tim Benz from Breakfast with Benz on the trip joining me here on the Crowley Show. I'm really anxious about this next question because it involves mathematics. And oh. Tim's a lot smarter than I am. And I'm afraid I'm afraid I'm gonna get smacked in the face. So here's where I think Le'Veon Bell actually can get the most money. If he gets franchise tagged last year, hey, that one already happened. If he plays on a franchise tag this year, and then if he hits the open market and someone pays out the ass for him, which I think will happen when he does reach the open market. So in that circumstance, he'd have made what the Steelers offered in guaranteed money, but he'd have made it in the franchise tag these last two years. And then he would get more guaranteed money because someone else, I think, is going to give him the contract that he wants on the open market. What say you? Yeah, no, I don't think that's that far off. I get what you're saying, but he could have done that here, too, if he had signed last year. And honestly, if they're still close to that now with the contract that they're allegedly putting on the table, then it could happen here. I mean, I suppose, yes, there will be a team with less prospects of good players in three years on the back end of contracts that would feel more comfortable having a bad deal for two years and an aged running back that can still give him the money he wants on the open market next year that the Steelers aren't willing to give him this year for 2019 and 20. Yes, theoretically that could happen, but uh, then Lev needs to stop with the whole, oh, I don't want to leave Pittsburgh. Well, then you, then you do. I mean, you can't have it all. You can't have the perfect contract here with a team that needs to move money around to make it happen. You can maybe get that in Cleveland. You can maybe get that with the Jets. You can maybe get that with the Niners. But this is the same dude who said, uh, right before the end of the season, he wouldn't play in New York for $100 million. So, you know, he, he's trying to have this hermetically sealed perfect situation. That's not negotiations. That's not, that's not even professional sports. That's not professional business. Tim, if I give you these names, Adam Crowley, Tim Benz, Mike Pursuta, Stan Saverin, and Mark Madden, what is the order in which, let me rephrase that, of those people, who's going to be the most drunk? And then rank them after that. Well, it won't be me because I'll have to get up at 4 o'clock in the morning. You've got to find a way to be off on Thursday. You've got to find a way. I'll write a column prior to the debate. How's that sound? You can pass it Uh, off. I write great columns. Tremendous. Well, not only that, but isn't the NCAA tournament in Pittsburgh the next day, too? Yes. Are you covering it? Yeah. (laughs) You're a sick bastard. You you just you are a sick bastard. The, how do you? I don't I don't understand you. I really don't. I don't know how you do it. I need to get eight hours of sleep every night, and then I barely put in any work into my radio show. I was gonna say like, do you really do eight hours? I can't remember the last time I. Well, I mean, I've had eight hour nights or eight hour days, but on a regular basis, getting a solid eight, I haven't done that for a long time. Which is usually why I sleep like ten 
or 12 on the weekends if I can. I can't even do that, you know, in hockey season or football season. All right, so if you remove yourself from the equation. Uh, well, okay, who's going to be the most drunk? Well, we'll just keep it amongst the living, yes. You're asking this because David is no longer part of the program, right? Is that why you're asking? Is this a setup for me to say something like that and I just jump to the punchline? No. you, you, you okay. I mean, I, I figured that might come up. I mean, it came up last year on the show. <laughs> uh, I made sure to bring it up. I mean, everyone did. I mean, he was hammered, and that's part of the fun. I was definitely <laughs> second, though, and I think he upstaged me, and that was a good thing. I don't know if I'm going to have that person this year that's going to be in order of drunkenness, it will be pursued because he just lives in that That's area. True. He just lives in that, you know, looking at the RPMs right now, my tachometer as I'm driving, he lives between high fives, low sevens. So he'll be one, you'll be two. I don't know if Stan drinks at all. No. Um, I'll probably be three just because I'll have two and feel like I've had ten. So I'll be three. Mark doesn't drink very much. Um, I'll say Mark is four and Stan is five in order of drunkenness. I, I, I'm almost certain that's how the blood alcohol level will go on Wednesday night. I think you might jettison your way to the top. Just because we still out of Yeah, now, now that I think about it. Yeah. And Actually, it depends you know, on how much not, blood you'd have consumed before this. It's not a really bad call by you because I sobriety is a great thing, but when you slip off of it and you have one, like I'll give you an example. When I did the Robert Morris hockey game on Friday, I went out. And I uh, met some friends. I had one martini, and I felt like I had been doing keg stands for five days in a row. I felt like I was at a frat house bender, honestly. Tim, are you happy that Pitt basketball hasn't won a conference game in 381 days? Yeah, I'd like it a lot more if Syracuse were better, though. I mean, if Syracuse was even marginal, if Syracuse is a top 25 team, I would be wallowing in it right now. But I'm working on a piece for tomorrow about, like, the demise of the, like, the fifth anniversary of the old Big East being picked apart, and I just, I can't. I, I can't wallow in Pitt's misery because I haven't enjoyed college basketball very much the last two years, and I miss the Big East tournament like hell. I, I don't know how you feel about your school being in, Kansas City for the Big 12, but West Virginia should not be in Kansas City. Syracuse and Pitt shouldn't be in Brooklyn or friggin' Greensboro like they were last year. And, like, it's sinful that UConn is playing conference tournament games in Orlando. I mean, like, that doesn't make sense, does it? No, I hate it too, Tim. And when the Big 10 was playing last week. I watched all of it. I enjoy conference tournament basketball. I love college basketball, but it just felt dirty. It really did. Didn't feel right. And I miss it every year at this time, just like I always miss the backyard brawl around Thanksgiving. Well, let me tell you this. There are, some, there are certain sports movies that always make me cry. Like, you know, for instance, The End of Miracle. I always weep like a baby. Uh, when Jimmy Chitwood says, I'll make it to Normandale, I, I, I always cry. Um, you know, uh, for instance, when Rip Torn dies in dodgeball and the giant sign falls, <laughs> obviously a tearjerker, right? Uh, the one that gets me as easily as those that's actual real life is Requiem for the Big East. Yes. Did you, did you see Requiem I for the did. Big East? And, and obviously it's very Syracuse-heavy, and I was at that game in person, so, you know, it, it really kicks me in the crotch, but... I just I missed that tournament, and I, I'm not a honk and like a bleeding heart for a lot of things, but I was for the Big East tournament. I loved it. It was one of my favorite things that I've ever covered on a regular basis. 
Uh, I buy the pomp and circumstance on this one, and I wish it was still around. And uh, the way it's it's an absence in my sports life. How about that? Permission to steal that as a topic tomorrow, Tim. Go right ahead. It'll be in print. As long as you read from the column and plug breakfast with Ben's, then I'll I'll be fine with it. I will retweet it to my dozens of followers. Tim, I think you're one of the few who cries at the end of Miracle. I'm going to have to put up a Twitter poll. I imagine that Mike Pursuta does, but, I mean, that guy... Well, he pees red, white, and blue. But I don't think a lot of people cry at the end of that movie. That's That was my biggest takeaway from what you just said. Are you, are you for real? Yes. I get how chills. Like, uh, okay, well, how about this? What about at a different point in the movie? How about the two, actually, before, I'll be honest with you. When I, when I cry during Miracle, it's not usually during the final call, like the Al Michaels call. It's usually... When they tap the letters as they're they're going out at Lake Placid, they're going yeah. through the tunnel. They tap the letters from people, or when I think it's the Mark Johnson character yells at Herb Brooks when he brings the kid from Minnesota on the team. We're a family, Herb. Yeah, that gets me every time. I mean, it gets me fired up. I don't cry. I'm going to put it on the Twitter poll, uh, Tim. I appreciate the time. Uh, I'm a bleeding heart for a lot of things, but I am also a bleeding heart for the. Uh, Big East tournament. Now, just because my heart's bleeding doesn't mean you need to come over here and start sucking it, okay? Uh, vampire. No, that's, no, I, I, there's 14 different ways I can go with that. I'm yeah, I along. really tried to shoehorn that joke in there. Goodbye, Tim. Bye now. Tim Benz. Breakfast with Benz. Official Vampire, the Crowley Show. Miracle's great, but I don't cry during it. I get a little tear going. It is. It gets to you, man. Nah. I think it's bogus. During Rudy, too. I mean, Ru- everyone cries during Rudy. Yeah. They were all a team. They were, man. That was a big deal. Up next. Like Notre Dame. More on Le'Veon, I suppose. It's a Crowley show.